Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Eden Foods, the most trusted name in certified organic clean food. When you shop online at EdenFoods.com, enter the coupon code ORGVIEW to receive 20% off any regularly priced items, excluding cases. For other promotional offers, please visit TheOrganicView.com's website. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, I have the pleasure of welcoming internationally acclaimed writer, motivational speaker, and corporate trainer, Ms. Lael Lowndes. She's the author of the best-selling book, How to Create Chemistry with Anyone, 75 Ways to Spark It Fast and Make It Last. Now, most people would agree that love is what makes the world go around. There are countless songs about love and relationships, as well as films, books, even a whole slew of holidays. The tricky part is making the relationship last. Especially in Hollywood, where the divorce process seems to last longer than the actual duration of the marriage, it does seem difficult to maintain a healthy, long-term relationship. However, there's a lot more to it than we think. So I would like to welcome to the show Ms. Lael Lowndes, who is going to be talking about her best-selling book and offer a great deal of advice to people that are not only seeking a relationship, but also for those who are in a long-term relationship and how they can keep that relationship going uh, at a very healthy and happy pace. So I would like to welcome to the show Ms. Lael Lowndes. Good afternoon. Hi, June. Thank you so much for inviting me. Can you kindly share with our audience about yourself, especially your work as a motivational speaker and corporate trainer? I think that the fact that you work in so many different areas involving relationship really does lend itself to the amount of work that you've put into this latest book, How to Create Chemistry with Anyone. And, uh, it, I mean, it really it was just such a wonderful book to read to understand all the different elements that are involved. Yes, you know, I think I know this whole thing started when I was was very young and I was unbearably shy. I think people don't really realize how excruciating it is to just not be able to communicate with people the way you want to. And so I started watching people who were either very popular or people like Oh, religious leaders and um, television personalities to find out what it was that drew people to them. And I noticed that there were many body language things that they did, many eye contact things that Mm. they did, many things they did with the warmth of their voices. And I started breaking these down into techniques so that I could emulate some of them. And this just kind of escalated into um, writing books on shyness, uh, writing books on basic communication skills. And then I remember one time after I'd written um, my book called How to Talk to Anyone, someone called me up and asked me if I would do a little talk on it. And I thought, well, okay. Um, I thought maybe there would be about oh, five people in the audience or something. It turned up there were 175 people, and I I freaked. I had no idea that I would be able to handle this 
Well, at the end of that hour, people were actually smiling. They were clapping. And I was floored and I was hooked. (laughs) So I started collecting more and more communications techniques. And then I realized that, well, my goodness, we try to change people's behavior and have them react to us in certain ways socially. Why not in love? Um, I've always been in love with love, as so many of us uh, have been and are. And we really didn't realize what it was. I know that uh, Carrie Underwood and Brad Paisley saying, you're the biggest mystery um, and you're love. And it, it's, it is the biggest mystery. But amazingly enough, in the past 10 years, neuroscientists uh, have been able to figure out what actually is going on in our brain when we feel that first spark of attraction for someone, when the emotion starts to grow, and when it turns into love. Um, CAT scans, PET scans, fMRI, we can now actually see what's happening and, of course, help it along a little bit with certain techniques. Now, this new field that you write about, it's called interpersonal neurobiology. Can you share with our listeners what the area specifically focuses on that makes it different from all the rest of the areas that seem to be uh, or seem to have given the impression that that's the area of focus where this all falls under? Sure. Well, as as time went on, um, uh, most of the studies were, in fact, correct. In fact, my first book, How to Make Anyone Fall in Love with You, was based on the latest sociological studies at the time. But it's only recently that we've begun to, well, we've had the equipment to be able to delve into the brain and see what parts light up when we feel certain emotions. And this is what um, this book is based on, is seeing what it lights up when you see a certain person that, that sparks your your um, uh, your love bones, whatever you want to call it, and what parts leave you cold. And then it's kind of like, we'll put it this way, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, do chemicals create emotions or do emotions create chemicals in your brain? And really does it matter? Because now there are ways to do certain things that will create the chemicals of excitement, Uh, in someone's brain, and if you are the person who is doing that, the person will transfer that emotion to you, that feeling to you. They'll say, this is the reason that I'm feeling all excited. And so I start out the book with about 50 techniques to just kind of get that spark going with someone, how to build it up during a dating relationship, and then the chemical of real love, let's call it, the chemical of true lasting love, is totally different from the chemical of um, that first attraction. In fact, they mitigate against each other in a funny kind of way. Question for you. People talk about having chemistry, and there are many people who seem to confuse having a physical attraction to someone which could also be considered an infatuation as opposed to actually having chemistry. So how can our audience define what is actual chemistry as opposed to just a mere attraction or even an infatuation with someone? This is a really tough thing to do, and I'll explain why in a minute. Uh, The chemistry that we feel, the kind we think, okay, fine, this is natural, that comes from uh, what we call um, your love map. Mm. Now, between the ages of one and five years old, we form uh, a very subconscious 
uh, picture of the type of person we could fall in love with. Now, it comes a lot from from um, who you've been brought up around and whether you've had a happy childhood or not. If you were fortunate enough to have been brought up by loving parents, uh, 20 years later or so, you might spot someone who who looks like they might be from the same gene pool, and you would feel that spark because it's a wonderful dynamic of uh, being very loved when you were a child. Uh, you may have noticed sometimes couples I have, and I think, well, golly, are they brother and sister, or are they are they a couple? Yeah, that was very that is, interesting. Yeah, it's a type of person we're attracted to. But the problem is, if you were brought up in a, say, an abusive relationship, uh, 20 years later or so, you could be dynamically attracted to someone who turned out to be a person who was not good for you. It's kind of like the um, women attracted to the bad boy syndrome. And that that's extremely unfortunate. Um, but what that does is when you find that person, when you spot that person that you feel is right for you, you're, the neurons, we have a hundred billion neurons in our brain and they're constantly sending electrical signals to each other and when there's what they call an action potential, a real blam of connection or a feeling of connection, a, chem- a chemical called dopamine gushes into uh, what is called the pleasure center of the brain. Uh, technically, it's the caudate nucleus. But this causes a big shock reaction. It's that, that spark we feel for someone uh, when we spot them. And uh, um, cognitive science has, has likened this to cocaine, it is something like a cocaine blast when you see that person. Now the problem comes, what if you don't happen to have the right DNA, the right face, the figure, everything, even, you know, interesting enough, even every personal experience you've had from the time you were born, even prenatal experiences, affect the person that you are today, the aura that you give off. And if you don't just happen to be the right person to spark that in the other person, we need a way to get that dopamine flushing into the uh, potential partner's brain so that they can interpret it as the first spark. That's that's so fascinating. I mean, it's interesting that there are so many books and films about how people meet and this and that, and then you read what you've written about, and you've taken it to a different level where people can actually recognize their own patterns of behavior, their own actions. And I like the the term that you use, action potential. How can people recognize the action potential in an actual (laughs) potential mate, if you will, and pursue it? You know, that that is so, so difficult to do because... Um, dopamine um, in the brain will last, it only has a shelf life of about one and a half to two years. Um, Mother Nature has has arranged it that way uh, because Mother Nature's whole plan is to bring healthy new human beings into to propagate the earth and to keep the earth flourishing. Uh And just one example of something that can attract you to somebody so that you'll feel that, that first spark. And this, of course, is something that you can't control. Um, We all have different immune systems, and all of our immune systems have different parasites and germs in them. Nothing wrong with them. It's just that all of ours are different. 
And Mother Nature arranges it so that we feel that spark for someone who has a compatible immune system um, so that they would be able to produce healthy offspring. Um, If your immune system is too similar to someone else's, that is not good for eventual children. That's one of the reasons that brothers and sisters uh, are not um, usually sexually attracted to each other because they're too much alike. So when you realize that this is nature a lot who is controlling this, um, you can be a little bit more suspect of it. You can also create it to a certain extent. Um, for instance, just one quick technique. <clears throat> when you're talking with someone um, whom you want to create a spark with, um, look into their eyes, and if there's an interruption or anything else, don't look away too quickly. Just keep your eyes on theirs, and that will cause a spark that is a little bit fearful. But dopamine comes also from scary things like a scary movie or skydiving or doing doing something exciting. Also, for a woman, here's a little, little technique. Um, if a woman is attracted to a man and she wants him to be sexually attracted to her, she can look into his eyes at first and then look down at his body, his chest, and then look back up at his eyes and give him a big approving smile. Now, what does this do? It shoots the testosterone up into his brain. The dopamine, uh, which goes into the caudate nucleus, um, looks forward to rewards to come because the caudate nucleus lives a lot in the future of like, like what's going to be coming along. So now you've shot um, uh, a double whammy into his brain, and he will be much more apt to feel that spark for you. The problem is a woman should never dress cheaply or look like she's interested in any other man in the room. She wants to absolutely direct those sexy eyes, um, at I call it the visual voyage on his mm-hmm. chest, at the one target man his testosterone goes up one-third just talking to an attractive woman. So can you imagine how his testosterone goes through the roof when something so subtle as looking at his body um, engenders this same feeling? Now, for a man, totally different. He should definitely not look at the woman's body. Um, a woman, you know, this this, this um, attraction um, of a woman for a man is has an evolutionary base. Uh, back in Cro-Magnon days, um, women needed to be physically protected, not so much physically protected uh, nowadays. But if a man uh, looks at her and doesn't quickly smile like, like he would at any attractive woman usually, but gives her a slightly judgmental look like he's considering her personality or um, her character, and then gives her a rewarding smile, she has felt that that shot of dopamine, a little fear, and then acceptance. But what he should do then is give her a slower, warm smile, which I call the little sister smile, the protective kind of smile, not at all a salacious smile. And this will shoot another chemical, quickly following up the dopamine into her brain, and that is the longer-lasting bonding chemical called oxytocin. So you got a double whammy there. It's fascinating how the body language has such a significant impact on just the whole process of the, or for the development of the relationship. Now, you spend some time talking about online dating, Can you share with our audience some tips for people that are contemplating 
online dating and any advice that you have for them? Of course. You don't have, of course, the benefit of the in-person chemistry, but there have been a lot of studies on this. And, well, let me give a quick hint for women and then a quick hint for men and then a hint for both of them. Um, For a woman, studies have shown that if she wears red, the color red, in her primary profile picture, she gets a lot more uh, responses than the same woman when she's not wearing red. And it makes sense. Red is a color that uh, um, creates electricity in the brain. It's a hot color. I always say men and bulls like red. So definitely in your profile <laughs> picture, wear, wear red. Now for men, something they sometimes don't consider. Um, yes, a woman likes a man to be good looking, but that's not the most important thing. A woman is looking into a man's face um, for character, for qualities that she's looking for in life. If she likes a, um, a man with a sense of humor, um, you better have some pretty credible laugh lines. You want to have your face express um, that you are interesting and you have a lot of character in your face. But what a lot of men don't realize is that a woman always instinctively will look at the background of the man's picture. Um, if he's in front of his driveway, is there a motorcycle in the in the um, background? Is there a rundown truck? Is there a Mercedes? Um, or if you're in the house, are there beautiful paintings or curtains behind you? Or is it some dirty dishes on the sink? Because a woman, <laughs> evolutionarily, not consciously, projects herself into the picture of wherever the man is. Interesting. And oh, for them, the quick one for both of them, especially for men. Um, when writing to, to a woman, uh, so many men will start out with I and they'll advertise themselves, I, I, I. No, uh, when you're writing to someone, write about you, something, read, some, read their profile very carefully and say something about between the lines you read about their gentleness or their strength. Because think about it, people like to, like to read about themselves a lot more than the other person. And hardly any woman I know will respond to a message that sounds like it could have been written to any woman on the service. So personalize your first emails. I think one of the biggest challenges with the whole online dating scene is that people don't feel comfortable flattering themselves or talking about themselves in a positive way. It's interesting how people are very quick to say very humble and sometimes even negative things as opposed to embracing the positive, wonderful things that make them who they are. Can you offer some advice for people that are taking the plunge, going the online dating route, and trying to figure out how they could put their best foot forward, especially with their their bio? Yes, um, I think that primarily it's women who say the negative things about themselves. I think men always say, well, my friends say I am funny, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. They go through a whole thesaurus of of, uh, qualities saying it's that they're friends who have said that. Something slightly deprecating for a man to say, as long as it's not terrible, has been shown to be an actual turn-on because it it shows that he's, he's not terribly arrogant. However, it should be very small. I mean, he doesn't want to hear about your bankruptcy or two divorces. She doesn't want to hear about your bankruptcy or two divorces or whatever. 
But something slightly negative is fine um, because it shows a little bit of self-deprecation, which is indeed a very attractive uh, quality for a man to have um, in a woman. Um, yes, women do. You're right. Women do uh, put themselves down too much, and they, they really shouldn't. But again, you don't really need to talk about yourself that much in your profile. Um, I, uh, studies have found that a shorter profile is better, and then let it be up to the message that you send, the conversation and such. And here's something that's turning around that I wish more women understood. It is perfectly okay for a woman to write the messages first to a man. We have been so educated to think that it has to be the other way around. And actually, again, it's been proven that two-thirds of all relationships, not online but in person, have been initiated by the woman doing something to lure the man over. And happily, the man's ego takes over, and he takes credit for having made the first approach. <laughs> but it's it's true in nature. It's called female perceptivity. We think in the jungles that animals are copulating with anybody they come across. Not at all. Females are very particular because we are responsible for the quality of the of the species. Men quality, women quality. You were delightful. <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> I talked too much, didn't I, Jim? I'm sorry, I but I'm I so excited about this. I think you're I really do. I just, you know, you are speaking for so many people that would love to have the opportunity to say exactly what you just said. So I thank you for that. Uh, with the and keeping the love alive is so important. Some other time I'd like to talk about keeping the love alive because that's a full half of the book, and that's really the important part for people. Which is a good point. And so having said that, what do you recommend for people that have been in a long-term relationship? Um, it doesn't matter if it's two years or I, I actually attended – an event yesterday in which there was a couple that stood up who have been married for 55 years. Oh, lovely. I, I think it's wonderful, but I don't know. 55 years is a very long time. It's a lifetime, <clears throat> but it definitely can be achieved. As I said before, the hot, I want to jump your bones every minute, obsessive love um, doesn't last more than than two years because anything you do that you are excited about, if you do it over and over, like sex with the same person, isn't going to have that same pizzazz. But a very different chemical comes into your body, and there are ways you can create this. It's called oxytocin, and the cognitive science calls it the bonding chemical. Just some little news you can use now techniques. The power of human touch, non-sexual touch, is overwhelming. Um, babies, uh, orphans who are brought up with touch come up uh, grow up much healthier. Uh, people in nursing homes who are touched actually live longer. So just touching your partner, holding hands as much as you can, spooning your partner while you're sleeping, having your hand on his shoulder, sitting close on the couch, this creates the oxytocin, so touch of the non-sexual kind. Um, to keep dopamine in a relationship, keep doing things that you both find exciting together because, again, you're Rolling the dopamine into your brains, and you're transferring that feeling of excitement to your partner. So um, pay for babysitters now. It's a lot less expensive than marriage counseling later on. Um, laugh a lot together uh, because that, again, is the transference. You think you're, your brain thinks you're happy because uh, you're with that person. And do I have time to talk about quickies and slowies, or shall we save that? No, you have, you have time. Please. 
Okay. This is something that I, I, I want to start by saying that I was active in the women's movement. I am a feminist, so please, feminists, don't take um, rigid what I'm about to say. Men interpret a woman's love as giving him sex. And men can get sexually very excited quickly, and then um, after they ejaculate, it's over. Of course we women don't like quickies. But if you give your husband a lot of quickies, it will um, increase his feelings of love for you. And also, you make it very clear that this is not your favorite kind, but that you love him so much that you do want to do that. But please, in return, um, give me lots of long, leisurely, slow lovemaking. And he will. Now, the reason that a lot of men don't uh, give a woman a long, leisurely lovemakings more is because he might be so used to being turned down when he comes on to her for a quickie that he's afraid to even initiate the slowies when there's time. And he must realize that a woman's brain is totally different. Um, men have brains more like boxes where they can put a thought in one area and then push it out when it's time for sex. Our brains... Um, our, our neurons are, are more closely knit together in the white matter where we do most of our thinking. And we it's impossible for us to push things out of our mind right away and get into sex. So a man has to understand that, that it's a deep biological, psychological thing where a woman really needs time to get in the mood. But every lovemaking can't be that way, so it's kind of... I have a friend who who uh, who calls her quickie. She's giving one for the team, you know, and it is. It's it's helping keep that that love alive. Uh, so both partners have to work at that to keep the really real sexual part going. Even though, as I said, it can't be as hot as it was at the beginning forever, but it sure can last a lot longer. Oh, well, if someone that's listening to the show today says, you know, something, I want to buy this book. And I'd like to share it with my spouse, but the issue is is that the spouse is not exactly going to be open to just anything new or different. What approach would you recommend for sharing all the information that you've offered in this book with their partner? Mm, that's a very good question. I think that most men are not open to any kind of a thing that is a relationship book. Um, I have actually more male readers than I than I do female readers, because I approach it very much from a um, not only biological and psychological standpoint, but there is nothing in this book that is touchy feely or um, it's all based on solid facts. And a lot of the mail that I get from men is they say I like your scientific approach because they can understand exactly what it is. So I don't think it would really be a good idea to sit down <clears throat> with your partner and say, well, let's share this. But I think it would be a very good idea to just leave this on your partner's bed table uh, for for them to read, so they understand precisely, you know, what is going on, and also it gives you a tremendous understanding of um, the other sex. Um, the, John Gray very cleverly and very rightly, 20 years ago, uh, wrote about the differences between men and women, like a. A man hides his feelings, a woman shares them, um, a man needs to feel needed, a woman needs to feel love, a man reacts with anger, women with emotions and tears. Well, there are actual reasons for that. Just for one example, hiding the feelings. Have you ever asked your partner, oh, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, that's unfair because his brain is so totally different. 
um, men do most of their thinking with their gray matter, and gray matter neurons are farther apart. A woman does her thinking mostly with the white matter, and those neurons are very close together. Linguistic is in the um, left-hand side of the brain, and language is in the right, and men have a bigger, much bigger wall between the two. It's called the corpus callosum, and a man can't go easily from his feelings to his language and back to his feelings. He, he just can't. And men don't like to be asked, how do you feel about that? Because they don't like to be asked anything that they can't do easily. And a man can't talk about his feelings that easily. They challenge. So don't ask him how he feels about something. And that's just one example of, of many things that are the differences between the sexes that cause long-term problems. I think this, the fact that you've put this together, especially at this particular point in time, is really just perfect. There's so many people out there that are enjoying their relationships, but they know that it does take a lot of work and a lot of understanding as far as how they can meet the needs of their partner. So Very thank much you so that. much for writing this. And folks, the name of the book is How to Create Chemistry with Anyone by Lael Lowndes. And Lael, can you share with our audience your website and any upcoming workshops that you might have? Surely. Um, the um, website is leal at peoplemagnet.com. That's, uh, oh, I'm sorry, that's my email. Anyway, the website is peoplemagnet.com. People Magnet, one word. And there's a listing there of, of the upcoming activities. And, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon, everyone.